hot topics from the fresh point of view. We will be talking through the lens of three bioengineers, two weeks short of bachelor's degrees. We have work experience at biotech companies, ambassadorships, and research in various countries. And we all have passions for public health. But of course, we're women of color. This podcast is actually dedicated to a rightfully concerned public about the ongoing implications of the pandemic COVID-19. And in our pilot, we're gonna share some important numbers relevant to the spreading of the pandemic, as well as the international response to it. Hi guys, um, I'm Jay Renee Kennedy, and as said before, I am two weeks short of a diploma, and this is Corona Chat. So I guess a little bit about me, I was born and raised 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, and I'm a student at the University of Pittsburgh, and I will be graduating with a degree in bioengineering and a minor in French. I have half my family in the city and the other half on the perimeter. I very much consider myself a Pittsburgher, Pittsburgh for life, love the Steelers, you know, all that jazz. And it's been really interesting growing up here in the biomedical field, because as you may know, Pittsburgh was voted the most livable, the most livable uh, major city for people to live in America, but the least livable major city for black women to live in America. And I'm in fact a black woman. Just a little stat from the Pittsburgh Equity Commission and a little bit background of like why I'm so interested in public health. But yeah, I'm just out here trying to live my passion of improving the biomedical field so it can be better for marginalized groups. I'd like to talk to my co-hosts, Hannah and Pega about their experiences. Hey everyone, um, my name is Hannah Leo. I'm also reaching that end graduation mark, thank God. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey where I am coming at you from, recording from. I have two older siblings that are also bio um, engineer and chemical engineer. Um, I'm half Asian, specifically Chinese myself. So with the virus and its social implications for Asian Americans, I'm excited to give my perspective um, and hear Janet and Pegas as well. And as a bioengineer, I like to take things apart and really understand what's going on at a basic level. So I hope I can bring that to this podcast. And here's Pega. Hello, I'm Pega. I'm 22 from Virginia. Um, I came to Pitt to get my bioengineering degree and I'm getting a minor in industrial engineering. Um, my entire family is from Iran and um, as you know, the cases in Iran have gotten very, very severe. So it's just kind of interesting to see how our response has been and how other how they have responded. Um, and I'm excited to dive deeper. So social isolation, AKA the bane of my existence, the necessary evil keeps our schools and streets closed and may have put many Americans out of a job. Uh, and today we're experiencing it for the first time as an American people, but this isn't actually the first time throughout history. So I feel like we have like two different types of social distancing in the U.S. You have these people or the one extreme that are like, if you leave your house, you're going to ruin lives. And there are those people who are like, all right, but like I used to grocery shop like six days a week and now I'm cutting back to three. So I'm doing my part. So of course there's conflict. Everyone's confused and it's a mess. And there are mixed messages from the government, and they're not helping. So I decided to go on Wikipedia. And it says that social distancing or physical distancing is a set of non-pharmaceutical interventions or measures taken to prevent the spread of a contagious disease by maintaining a physical distance between 
people and reducing the amount of times people just come in contact with each other. And it involves keeping a distance of six feet or two meters away for all you Brits from others and just avoiding gathering in large groups. And I know everyone hates on Wikipedia, but it's really good at compiling information. For example, I didn't know we actually did this in the past. Um, did you guys like know that like we've actually been like social distanced before, like 1918? No, that's a project. Yeah, I didn't see anything about this until um, like they were just com- comparing it to like where in Philadelphia they flattened the curve. And that was like the first time I've seen things in the past had also kind of mirrored what we're doing today. Yeah, Philly is actually really interesting because when they had the influenza pandemic in 1918, Philly saw like, okay, there's some cases of flu on the 17th of September, everything was fine. And the city had a parade and put 200,000 people in one space. And guess what happened? Over three days, all 31 hospitals were full and over a week, 4,500 people died. So it's like, all right, like, we we don't know what to do. So after that, that's when, like, they kind of started social distancing on, like, the 3rd of September. So it's like, okay, three weeks later, well, over three weeks after the first case. But unlike Philly, St. Louis actually did the, they had their first case of influenza on the 5th of October, which is much later. And they decided to, like, okay, let's do several social distancing measures. Like there were closing schools, theaters, all these places where people get together and there was no spike in cases or deaths and clearly it worked. Also, there was a SARS outbreak, 2003, everything was closed and people were wearing masks, like certain people were wearing masks, which is, oh, that's another debate. Hashtag mask on, mask off. In 95? Oh. And ninety-five, yeah, like where can you get one, you know? Or your local like old t shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I guess fifty percent versus like zero. Like you have to think like it's like an exposure thing. Social distancing also happened in two thousand three, which is much more recent during the SARS outbreak. And they also banned large gatherings, schools were closed, theaters were closed. I mean, public health measures were really just taken seriously. We were quarantined. Their, co- their close contacts were quarantined, not just the people, and infection control procedures were really just on point. Like, it, it was a good thing. There's definitely a lot of problems with social distancing. Like, it's, I guess it's one of those, like, if you think about, like, oh, like, it's a drug, like, it has side effects. For example, like, people not being around anyone is leading to stress, anxiety, depression, and panic. And it's like, if you have pre-existing anxiety disorders, like I, I know my anxiety, like my mental health has been all over the place. I've been up, I've been down and it's just, it's really hard to just be consistent. Like if you're just alone with like no roommates all the time, it's pretty terrible. Between like being isolated and just like the fact that there's so much news every day, all these changes and uncertainty just add on to the mental stress. And also just to go off of that point, like having like FaceTime and like Skype and like all these things that you can like connect electronically, it is maybe like a small substitute, but it really does not completely fill the void of having some sort of like human interaction. Even if you're like quarantined or something with one other person or two other people, like even then you're going to get not like sick of them necessarily, but you're going to get, you know, kind of 
in some sort of mundane routine. So you're going to want to like need some sort of variety for you to like, I don't know, to feel for me, I need variety to like feel normal. So I think kind of changing up people's normal, like really freaking them out. Like that's a very like valid thing about it. Yeah. It's like, we're expected to just do so much. I'm supposed to work like normal. I mean, school is already hard. Like if you're in college, you know, like it's hard, period. I feel like going to class for me, I'm a social butterfly. Like I sit in the front row of all my classes. Like I talk to all my teachers. There's a relationship. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'm being challenged. Yeah, I'm being pressed. I have these things to do. But at the same time, like, because I have that social interaction and it helps me learn, it makes the pressure of school so much easier. So when you lock me in a house for weeks on end by myself and I can see a very limited amount of people and I don't have this exposure, this network that I had before, it's just like, oh my God, like, you guys really want me to finish this? But I mean, thankfully, your university is switching to, like, a pass-fail system because they seem to be pretty accommodating about, like, just the fact that this is this is not going to work. Like, stuff, this is not, this is the new normal. Normal isn't normal. It's not going to work. Yeah. Dude, I am losing my mind. I am not a person <laughs> meant for social distancing. Like, no. <laughs> I cannot, I'm so used to going out even just going to a restaurant, I can't even do that. I have to get Uber Eats whenever I want freaking pizza or if I want a burger. Like, it's not okay. This is just, we were thrown into this out of nowhere. And I mean, I, I thank God I'm here with my roommate. If I wasn't here with my roommate, I would honestly be going insane. I am someone that needs social interaction so bad (laughs) and it sounds bad but it's that's just how I am just like a social person and I was just thrown into this situation and I normally never was an online person class person I could never do it and now I have to be focusing on my laptop like I have ADHD do you think I can watch a Netflix show without being on my phone no do you think I can watch listen to a two-hour lecture and not get distracted No, it's bad enough being in class and not being distracted. And now I'm just sitting on my laptop and it doesn't help that I'm on my couch laying down with my PJs on with like a coffee in my hand. Like it's just not a working environment. And it's so hard to separate that home and school work-life balance because you don't want to be working in your bed. You do want to have a nice distance, but you can't distance because we're social distance. I could go on. Yeah, it's a hot mess. I mean, and now I'm starting to think like I must have been an extreme extrovert because like this is I this is so hard. Like I can't do it. I'm not gonna lie. Like I've probably seen the same three people for the last three weeks, and I've been Me. told like, oh my god, like you're not social distancing, and it's like I have not been to a grocery store in two weeks. I mean. I haven't gone to school. I haven't gone in public places. I haven't done any non-essential outings. I don't leave my, I barely leave my house. I leave my house sometimes to bike, but it's like the fact that like, oh, I had one person come over who also lives alone. I mean, like this controversy is kind of annoying because people are like so quick, I feel like to judge. And it's like, I'm not saying like, I like, I am social distancing, but like your perception of social distancing, you who lives with your family of four, 
yeah, you don't got to leave the house at all. I mean, you probably got one person who grocery shops. Like, you don't have to leave it all. I eventually am going to have to leave to get something. So it's like, I think there's so much slander because people have such a narrow perception of what it means and what it is. And we also have pretty lax laws in the States. Like, there's not too much reinforcement. But it's like, I mean, how could you? Like, with the way things are set up now, it's just not possible. It's just not. Janet, you got mad at me the other day for hanging out with other people. Yeah, I think I'm on the other side of that where I'm like, uh, like, I don't want to be, like, insensitive, but sometimes I'm just like, just got to suck it up for the greater good and get through it and you'll be fine. But thinking about, like, people's anxiety being raised, you know, kind of their mental health kind of all haywire because they can't go about their normal routines. Um, Like, I do see both sides. But still, for me, I'm trying to just go for the extreme and stay in. Like, I haven't left my house except to take walks. I haven't, like, left legitimately for weeks. So, oh, my God. Yeah. That would cause me to, like, break down. If I, mean, I, I did am, not leave I have my house. broken down already. I have gone a little bit nuts. I would say I was, like, an extrovert, introvert, because I like to stay in more than, like, necessarily, like, go out to parties or go out to bars or whatever, but, like, now I feel like everything is surrounded about me staying home and doing work and not having that, like, you know, that work-home balance, so definitely am going crazy, so I I feel like as time has gone on, I've seen the other side of it, because in the beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to social distance, nip it in the bud, just have to do it, but now I'm, like, slowly kind of on that gradient of seeing that like this is so much harder than I thought it was gonna be <laughs> so well, where does the math come in like why like why are we social distancing clearly this is based off of something so I looked it up and there's something actually called the reproduction number and in 1952 George McDonald had a farm just kidding um he like modeled the weight of malaria based off of how many cases appeared um basically how many people got infected off of one case? So if you were the only person on malaria and you were walking around and living your life as normal, how many other people get affected? So the reproduction number for the seasonal flu is about 1.5 and you see like, yeah, it's pretty easy to get the flu, um, not that big of a deal. But COVID-19, because there's so many studies, there's a lot of variation, but the number is between 1.5 and four. That's pretty bad. Um, So it's like, it's way more infectious than the seasonal flu, which is why people are like really confused because they're like, all right, like we've seen infection before and the death rate for flu is less than 1%. COVID-19 is like 10 times. It's like, it's pretty deadly. So this is like a really big reason behind a lot of the social distancing measures put in place with the government. I just kind of want to tell people because we don't often see like the math behind these and like why people are so like why are scientists so worried so it's kind of like me breaking it down but I guess suppose a question like it's like okay we already saw before like with the example of Philly versus St. Louis like why are like why would you wait for social distancing like why are these practices and stay-at-home orders established so late for COVID-19, if it's like, okay, we've had this data and the United States surely wasn't the first place to have COVID-19. China published this information. I mean, they put some information out there at least and the virus was spreading there. Why don't we do anything about it? 
Yeah, so not I our problem. Not over here. It doesn't affect our people. I could go on. <laughs> yes, I don't think anyone really took it seriously. And so, I mean, that's probably going to be a combination of the government response and then also kind of the media's portrayal. Um, so it's not necessarily going to be one or the other, but I think a good combination. But we we really can't change. My perspective on it is we really can't change that now because it's already happened. We've already done things too late and we kind of just have to deal with that happening um but if those social isolation orders were of course established earlier the curve would probably be even more flattened we wouldn't be running out of ventilators or ppe um we would basically be more prepared and have control over treating the disease um, whether that be over a shorter or a longer period of time i think it's hard though because at the beginning there were so many unknowns and then everyone was speculating everything like when it was in china like people didn't know what was causing all these deaths like they didn't know it was a respiratory disease they didn't know what was going on and as the time went on they didn't realize how like serious and contagious it was so that's why they initially didn't shut down china but then obviously it spread to Iran, it spread to Italy, and Italy really got it bad, and then it came here. And I would, our response, I would say, was extremely late. Yeah. So like, I feel like you just need to be transparent with the numbers, with what is actually happening, because that's where you're actually going to see objective evidence. You're not going to have it, you know, riddled with things like Trump saying, we're going to open again in april by um by easter like all of the like the words are really what clouds a lot of it i think people need to focus on what's actually really happening how many people are dying how it's transmitted um but yeah so i i guess i'll maybe close this up with of my comment on it is just it's interesting how willing people are um willing to pay attention to trending numbers on like how many music downloads some like pop star has or like Justin Bieber has, but like all this data that we've had from, you know, like China or Italy um, is, was in essence ignored. So it's like where our priorities may be led by the government. All right, guys. Um, I know we've been rambling for a while. So I guess if you like it, like, let us know give us feedback and all of those things like it'd be great like and subscribe <laughs> yeah i mean we want to hear your opinions we're basically just trying to break down things so that they're digestible um we really work hard to make sure that we're taking things from factual resources that we're not just compiling things from what our researchers saying but what it, what is the government doing and how did the two match up how do they not match up we want to make these things translatable. We want to make them for general public. We want to put it in a perspective of we're not just thinking about a certain crowd of people. We're thinking about everyone, which is kind of really nice with our, our different perspectives. Um, and can we give them a little preview of what we're talking about in our subsequent episodes, guys? Yes. So for the next episode, we'll talk about kind of the economic implications, um, cultural implications, and many more on um, the different generations or different populations in the U.S. So going from, you know, Gen Z and millennials up to the boomers and what what we're seeing change in our society as a result of social distancing and um, the pandemic and how, you know, the U.S. has reacted to things. Yeah, and then on our third episode, we're going to be talking about the socio socioeconomic status and how 
that is affecting people getting testing, people getting treated, and also um, more about the politics surrounding COVID-19. Yeah, okay, well, thanks guys for tuning in. See you next time.